It's not about 10 minute breath or 10 minute breath holds. It's not about 10 minute ice baths. Because if you're going to try to be the ice man, Mother Nature is going to slap you around really hard. You need to respect the cold. Like Wim mm. always says, it's righteous and merciless, but it can be your greatest teacher. So I get into this ice bath, and first thing that happens is that you have cold shock receptors send the signals, and within a split second, your kidneys, your heart, everything just jumps up. You have adrenaline, even adrenaline you've had already from the, the breath work, so your adrenaline's up but you feel good, not stressed adrenaline like you're normally used to, you know, when something bad's happening, physical threat or whatever. So when you get into the ice bath, it really just goes like this a little bit more. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is my goal to interview individuals who are following their passion, their inner bliss and making a living out of it. Each week I bring on individuals from many different backgrounds and interests and my goal is to find out why they started, what they struggled with, what challenges they had to overcome and generally what has helped them become successful in their chosen fields and the process of finding what you love to do and going for it, taking that first leap towards your passion. This week, we're joined with Dan DeLewis, and Dan was born in Canada with a sports and martial arts background. While he was working in a Fortune 500 company, he was suffering with chronic back pain, depression, and anxiety, and just wasn't feeling great overall. And so, he decided to quit his job and live in a yoga ashram, which is basically a place where you practice yoga, meditation, and other practices in order to evolve and grow on a spiritual level. While he was living in a yoga ashram, he was completely healed. He completely healed his back pain and his depression and anxiety was no longer in existence. He then moved over to Mexico and opened up his own yoga and meditation center. But after experiencing and seeing things in Mexico that a normal person really shouldn't see, he saw that it's a very dangerous place to be and he moved back to Canada. After experiencing several issues along with his wife and his dad passing away, he discovered the Wim Hof Method. The Wim Hof Method is a breathing practice developed by Wim Hof, otherwise known as the Iceman. And just to give a little introduction into Wim Hof, if you've never heard of him, he is uh, basically an individual who holds 26 world records, and he even climbed 22,000 feet up Mount Everest in just shorts and shoes. So if you haven't heard of him, definitely check out his interviews, his social media. He's a very interesting character. So Dan met Wim and he trained and learned from him, eventually becoming a certified Wim Hof Method instructor and has been teaching the method over the last three years. Now, before the whole coronavirus situation happened, Dan was traveling the world, teaching stress reduction and biohacking and, of course, the Wim Hof Method. You can access Dan's free online virtual breathwork, meditation and yoga classes by visiting his Facebook page, which is called Subramya Yoga Center. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And you can also find Dan on Instagram by searching Dan Deleuze. I would also like to thank the show sponsors, and that is you guys. I really, really appreciate the support, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It really gives me an extra boost of motivation when I get positive feedback, and I just see people listening to the podcast, so a big, big thank you to you. If you do enjoy these podcasts, do you mind leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts? And this will help the podcast grow in so many ways, and I would really, really appreciate the help. I have the link to Apple Podcasts in the episode description or you can simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts and you'll find it right there. 
just leave your honest feedback in the form of a star or maybe a few words and I would really, really appreciate that. And without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Dan DeLewis. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Love being here. Thank you for coming on. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is, could you just provide some context behind who you are, what you do, and what are you up to? Just to provide some context to the listeners. Okay, I'll try to condense that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, my name is Dan DeLewis. Um, I am a uh, meditation coach, uh, mindfulness coach, uh, yoga instructor also. Um, I come from a very uh, traditional background. I found yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and all of these um, interesting and awesome esoterical practices when I was going through, um, I was suffering from a lot of pain, uh, suffering from, first of all, physical pain. I had a couple herniated discs that kept me pretty much bed bound. I was in bed for almost two years, um, working for a big company and uh, stress level with that was up. I was suffering from depression, anxiety. I, uh, I was on a lot of different medications. Uh, I found myself uh, working through meds, adding more meds, and then uh, even uh, self-medicating. And uh, that kind of brought me to a point where I knew there was nothing else to do except to move upward. I kind of like they say, hit that rock bottom. And uh, I decided to, uh, actually, it was funny, I started yoga, I was walking with a cane, I looked like I was about 90 years old, I was about 34 at the time. And I was in um, a store pharmacy waiting to get my Oxycontin, which are extremely powerful um, opioid. And um, I had a cane and I was bent over and I looked and there was a, a DVD that said yoga for back pain. And it was a chair yoga DVD with a couple on the front about 65 and they're in a chair and it showed them kind of doing a twist. I can still remember it. And I was at my you know wits end by that point. And I said, you know, it was $4 or here. So probably be about two euros there. Not even that. And, uh, I grabbed it and honestly, I started it that next day and right away I felt something. It was almost like uh, something woke up and, and I felt different because I was just in that mode of, of uh, anxiety and depression and you know sleeping all the time, then can't sleep and in pain and laying around and really going against all of the things that the human condition needs to survive um at a at an optimal level i was kind of regressing away from that and the yoga right away it grabbed me and my martial arts background i took shotokan karate for years i loved it when i was a kid and i loved the discipline of it i had a very awesome teacher who taught us um the philosophy of martial arts so i really gravitated quickly towards it and then the meditation and the breathing I really liked because it was the one thing that was really helping with my depression and anxiety. So I decided I left. Um, uh, I worked for a three. Uh, I worked for a big company, Fortune 500. Had a great job, all that stuff, security. But of course, when you have a bad back, that changes things. So I decided I left and uh, went to live in an ashram and actually lived with an Indian guru at a Shivananda ashram. Actually, one here in Canada. Um, They're from India, but their international headquarters is here. So I got to um, live there 
learned the tradition of yoga. And within two weeks after being in bed for two years, two weeks, they had me running around playing football, they would say in, in, in Ireland. Um, and uh, so I was running around and it was amazing. And all of a sudden my depression and anxiety slowly you could see it fading the power wasn't there i wasn't under i like to call it that wet blanket and within a few weeks within a month it was like i was a new person reborn and from there i decided to pretty much dedicate my life to um helping others because i see the 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 need for especially in the mechanistic world that we live in that's so escape-based um, we're learning more about technology and how to hide than we are about this technology inside. And Wim Hof, who is one of uh, my most influential teachers over the last 15 years, um, there is an innate intelligence that I like to say that's inside. And if we actually give it the proper um, conditions, it'll take care of itself. So after the ashram, I moved to Mexico. Um, I opened up a center there. Um, I had some friends down there. I was in Acapulco, which was one of the most dangerous cities. It was the most dangerous city at the time. Um, I never felt the fear of it, but I actually was working for the police and uh, teaching them mindfulness um, techniques, breathing, because they have a lot of anxiety down there. But after working with them for a little while, I kind of was like, no, they're I kept telling them, you got to change, you know, certain things in your life to be able to. <laughs> you know, change how you feel. But um, it was it seemed like there was working against what I was trying to do. So um, the cartels were really um, active back then and still are. And there was a couple incidences very close where I left a place and people were, were actually shot um, and killed. I seen things that I didn't want to see and uh, kind of got a feeling. So I ended up moving back to Canada full time. And uh, ended up opening a center, and uh, it's been about 15 years now. And I've been traveling all over the world. Uh, I teach to companies. Um, I teach stress reduction management courses. Uh, I have my center here where I teach uh, classes there throughout the week. I travel a lot with uh, for Wim Hof. Um, I was picked to actually assist Wim in our winter expedition that was just held in February. So I was over there training uh, 100 people with him on the method that we, we love and uh, we practice uh, a lot here. I know I heard, I've seen you, I saw some of your stuff uh, posted. Laura Hoff, actually, Wim's uh, daughter, liked one of your things I saw came up because you, you mentioned that you've been uh, practicing it now a little bit. So, and that's awesome. But um, yeah, so really, uh, things were going along really well for 10 years until... I hit a uh, bump in the road. I ended up getting married and um, my, that wasn't the bump in the road, but um, my, uh, my wife got sick. So, you know, some health stuff there. I wasn't really used to that. Then my dad got sick with lung cancer and I ended up spending a lot of time with him in the end. And I found myself, uh, you know, kind of regressing back to where I was a long time ago where I found that kind of darkness was coming in again. And I found the Wim Hof method, um, which was awesome. But the, the worst thing was my wife got sick, my dad died. And then the, it was the day after his celebration of life. I thought I'd go and play football, soccer over here, mm. and just run. And uh, I tore my Achilles completely from my heel bone because I was so stressed. It was a neurological thing they told me because here being an instructor of yoga, practicing daily, 
I shouldn't be snapping tendons, but that's what happened. And then I was in a really nasty place I found. And um, I found the Wim Hof method. And I mean, practicing what I've learned over 10 years, it was like Wim Hof was able to compress it into a place and in a, in a method that when practiced, and I mean, the first time you feel it yourself, you know, I mean, it's anecdotal for you also, but you know, that first time I did the breath work, got into the shower, did the cold shower and got out. It was just an emotional release. It was like, you know, I couldn't grieve my dad or what was going on. And, you know, my Achilles, I have to run a business and all this pressure. I was pushing it down again. And the Wim Hof method, it was like it melted the anxiety away and just pulled everything out. Um, and uh, then after that, I just looked at my wife and she'd been practicing and her health went right back up when she started. We couldn't believe the difference. And I looked at her and I said, I, I got to go and meet this guy. I can't just, you know, see him on, on YouTube and, and follow all these things. I like a deeper understanding also. And I really believe in the tribal setting, being with the group. So I signed up and did all the stuff and uh, met him in L.A. and trained down there. Uh, then through the next module, trained in Oregon, climbed uh, Mount Hood with him, and uh, which was amazing and met unbelievable cats from all over the world, like girls and guys that came and took this training that started with, you know, so many thousand taking me online to going down to a few hundred in L.A. to only about, I think, 50 of us. And like, it, it's, it was amazing, you know, being with Wim and, and being able to experience that tribal thing with people that are practicing this method and are using it to really reach out there and help a lot. So now in the last couple of years, I've been an instructor for Wim, been his assistant, which has been amazing honor to be able to um, do that with him. And uh, now just been traveling around, practicing that, um, teaching that. And uh, here I am, and uh, now I'm here with you, Dom. Absolutely. Well, what an introduction. Um, so I guess we can go into many different directions from here, but um, I do want to go to the point, because the way you kind of described it, I, I think your life went as, a, you know, you were depressed, you were anxious, whatever, and then you suddenly found this yoga, yoga tape, and then just kind of changed from there on. But I want to ask, like, what caused, you know, depression? What caused anxiety? What caused all this distress and chronic pain in your back and so on? Like, what was the actual reason behind that? Because, uh, yeah, just so people can avoid falling into the same trap. That's a, you know what? That's a great question. And, and often that question's answered by, um, you know, I can say, you know, I injured my back through sports and lifting weights. I played football and hockey and all of that and played at competitive levels. Um and I pushed myself, but I really believe that, you know, that can injure you being on the pitch, um, mm. being on the ice, whatever. I mean, there's always, you know, you're putting your body through a lot of trauma. And I know I did that and it didn't help, but I really, truly believe it goes back a long time um, in, in our programming as a kid. Um, I found myself growing up, you know, I had a dad that wanted to make me stronger. And God love him. And he was a beautiful man, but he, he really was trying to get me to be tougher. And I wasn't a tough kid, right? So it was, a, it was just him trying to make me better, but it, it would just cause me a lot of anxiety. So I right. grew up with so much anxiety, man. 
uh, you know, not being able to leave my room, you know, and, and just being, you know, hidden in, in darkness and, and this depression. And, and I actually lived with it and thought that this was the norm because nobody was saying, you know, what's wrong with you? There's, we need to fix this. And so I went through high school, never learned a thing because I was just always in fight or flight. I was in this place that I couldn't access. I couldn't learn. And I barely made it out of high school. And then after that was like, I tried to go to university and it was like, wow, this is even worse. You know, I just wanted to party actually, because that was my first time away from home. <laughs> so actually you're in university now, are you not? Yeah, I'm just finished today, actually. I just finished my final assignment, so not anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, you must know, like, I mean, if you're, if you're mind, and that's why I love working with kids right now, and, and especially teenagers, um, is that, you know, if we're, our mind isn't under our control, then we just let the mind haplessly go. And that's where I find your health is going to go. And this kind of leads to what I'm trying to say is that, you know, my back was bad because I wasn't conscious up here of what was going on. And when yoga showed me clarity, it showed me a peaceful place where my mind can settle and I can start to regain control of my mind. Now I see things coming. Like if I would have been more alert and aware um, and had that clarity, I probably wouldn't have had the back problem because I know I should have been maybe stretching better or not pushing through this injury, played through a lot of injuries and, and hurt my back and wasn't rehabbed properly with it. So one thing I find with, with what got me here and with the depression and the anxiety, it's that's the modern condition, Dom, is to make people fear because fear is our survival. It's our reptilian brain. So fear is necessary and it's what made us survive as humans, but it also helped us to get to the top of the food chain because we weren't at the top of the food chain at one point, but we have a conscious thinking mind that's abstract mind that's able to figure shit out because a porcupine is just a porcupine. They're a porcupine. We're a human with so much potential that we go this way. And if we have that clarity and we're organized, you know, energetically in the mind and the body and the spirit, then this thing's running fine. And the actual life I find just unfolds. But with the conditioning we have now is to worry. And our parents gave us that too. You know, don't touch the element. It's hot. Yeah. And, you know, they yell at you or, oh my God, they get scared. So yeah. they're putting that fear into you. And, and that fear is where we're pretty much conditioned now to be there in that fear all the time because we're not, we're not conditioned to like who, nobody wakes up in the middle of the night and goes, Oh my God, my life is amazing. Oh, I can't believe what <laughs> happened yesterday. And then they go and go back to bed. You yeah. wake up and you're like something happening. Right. So there's a cascade of things. Like I remember, I still remember going back. Um, when I was having my first panic attacks when I was a kid, I wasn't able to sleep all night long. And, you know, you're such a beautiful mechanism, this, this adaptive cellular machine, and you can only take so much. Because for many years, I was pushing down my anxiety, being able to get through it, then getting into, you know, my 20s. Alcohol was a really good thing to manage that. And I still wasn't listening. 
So there wasn't the clarity there. And this anxiety was just being pushed down. And then depression started to come. And then depression was just pushed down with smoking marijuana or something, right? So this self-medication thing. And then when my back started to get sore, there was even less clarity because I started to take meds, Oxycontin, Hydromorphone, Dilaudin, all these things. And it really masked the pain. And what it did was, is it kept me from seeing what the solution was. So, you know, I find that, you know, in this, especially now, we're mechanistic-based, escape-based. We're in so much technology that's so overwhelming that is constantly, because we have these phones and tablets, is just throwing information at us. But see, this, this brain isn't, isn't um, it hasn't evolved to take that much stimulation. And because we click on the amygdala and the worrying mind and the fear centers there, it's there just a little bit. Because that, that naturally is there to save you. Take 20,000 years ago, you know, the bear came out of the woods and immediately it turns on adrenaline, glucose, you got energy, you're running, you're up the tree or you're not up the tree. Mm. So that's where it should be. That should be our fight or flight mechanism, using it for the appropriate things, survival. But we've now conditioned ourselves so much to worry about everything that those 50,000 thoughts that you're going to have in a day are mostly negative. And each thought is the same thing. The reptilian brain doesn't know the difference between the bear chasing you and that thought about your boss who you don't like. like you can fight the bear, but you can't just fight your boss all of a sudden. <laughs> you know? So there's a disconnect now. And the mind is in control. And I found that my mind, I got so good at worrying and so good at being in fight or flight. And I like to call it hyper adrenalized because I always had so much energy, listened to rock and roll, drove fast. Everything was just, my life was moving fast, but moving so fast, you're not seeing things that are happening. And it's easy and instant gratification this day and age to, to take a pill and pop it. You know, that was good for me at that time. But then after, you know, six months of taking hydro, then hydromorphone, now all of a sudden they moved me up to oxys because it's not hurt. You know, it's not working now. So I found I just became this toxic waste dump, like, you know, physically and mentally. And it was like my mind was galloping like a horse that just keeps going. And I always like to look at it now when I talk to people is that I look back and I see clearly now how unclear I was. And it affords me the opportunity to observe now and see what's happening in life and to reevaluate because, it, you know, the world right now wants to keep you stimulated and keep you turned on. So you're always consuming, you're always worrying, and that feeds into the machine. And when I went away, it was like I got to press pause on my life, you know, press pause and not that you're pressing pause and being lazy, you know, and sitting there meditating and, you know, whatever, hanging out in an ashram, which is very hard, actually. But all of a sudden, you start to see everything gets clear. And I really believe that it all comes back to clarity. And Wim will tell you that. He goes, well, just focus. If you can't focus, we need to implement some, um, some behavioral changes, some uh, self-control practices, 
that'll give you back control. Because I always say, if your arm's going like this and you're walking around and your arm's doing this, it's, you have a disability. We need to, you'll go to the doctor and get them to look at that and they'll figure out what's going on and you'll fix it. But it's the same thing happening in your mind. It's just jumping all over the place and it's creating that stress chemistry all the time because your past pains project into the future Mm. to prepare so we don't go through that. But once you've projected and you've prepared, it's like COVID, you know, COVID's hitting us and my wife and I, you know, I'm lucky I understand a little bit of, you know, my mind now is that when COVID hit, I was like, okay, so we prepare for it. We do what we're told. And now I'm going to work on me. I have actually the most beautiful opportunity right now to self-reflect and take this time to shut down Netflix, shut down all the other stuff, which also contributes to that instant gratification, our phones. So, you know, I really believe that it's an evolution, Dom, is what I'm saying about anxiety and depression, that if we're not able to be mindful and have self-control, it will lead to depression and anxiety eventually. And then when I went away, that's what my, my guru, my, my Indian teacher, Tommy, says. It was funny. He'd always say, well, you were a bad boy, but now you're a good boy. And good boys know self-control. And I'd be like, okay. I'm like, I didn't understand it. And then all of a sudden, it just hits you like a ton of bricks one day where you're like, holy shit. However I think is how I experience my life. And when I look back at the depression and the anxiety, I was feeding into that with lots of things, thinking, drugs, women, whatever it was. Oh, I tried everything that would stimulate me more on the outside. And then when I found out that it's all here on the inside, you know, Wim and, and I mean, a lot of those esoterical things, Wim says all the answers are here already. Just let them come out. But because anxiety is just so prevalent and fear, we're just sticking it back down. So, you know, the, the technology isn't helping, you know, our learning model doesn't help. You know, it's always for um, getting, you know, reward. And that rewards always an outside thing. And, and what I'm teaching now, especially in schools, before this happened, I got going to school and teach 200 kids, grade seven and eights, which are 12 and 13, um, about breath work and how to use that control. Because right now, kids have absolutely no control because they're just being given this, this phone. And it's all about stimulation. And when I'm able to go and, and, and show kids just, you know, how to breathe properly. And all I did was just show them a little breath technique and more or less the Wim Hof method. And it, it gives you back that self-control. I tell the kids, and, and when I do motivational speaking, I said the superhero of the future, isn't it on the event, in the Avengers movie, a superhero in the future is somebody who can actually focus and stay focused. Because that's the model now. The modern condition is just things pulling at us all the time. And, and you can have technology, but there's got to be another side to it, right? You know, if you're going to be on your phone and watch Netflix and do this and that, that's, that's all part of it. I mean, I'm on this right now with you. I have to go through my texts. So I have to do my emails. But I make sure that I'm using it. It's not using me. Because that, I find, is, is one of the biggest problems right now 
is that overstimulation and, and the nervous system isn't stable. And, and that's what, you know, the breath work with those 200 kids, I had them coming up to me after going, you know, in some of them in tears going, well, I, I don't know what happened. Often with the kids, they're like, I feel, I don't know what this feel. Well, this feeling is actually the innate intelligence allowing it to do what it can do. And it's supposed to be stable, that nervous system, you know? So I think there's a lot of, a lot of things in my case. I mean, it was just a cascade of effects that brought me to that point hmm. where I, you know, I had no control anymore. I lost control completely. Right. So like having control of your mind is really, really important. Like, cause yeah, I, I love what you said with the 50,000 thoughts. Like if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts, like you're only going to feed, you know, whatever, whatever, like whatever you think about is usually what happens. So if you, if yeah. you're going to be thinking about depressed or anxious thoughts, it's just going to track that into your life and you're going to keep, keep manifesting that. But if you, if you replace those thoughts with either being mindful or even positive thoughts, it's going to bring a huge influence on your life. And you, yeah. know, you also mentioned, you know, like from from what I heard is like it was really it really came down to habits. And I'm curious to know, like, what does your current routine look like um, in order to stay, stay the way you are, stay so energetic, stay mindful, stay in control? So w- what is your current routine? What, what does it currently look like? Well, the best thing, the, the, what I try to tell people is that you need to get really good at practicing. Mm. And that means your routine is a practice. And that means a practice should be daily. So my practice, no matter how I feel, which is usually pretty darn good when I get up, but, you know, I get up and the first thing I start to do as I wake up consciously laying there in bed, my wife's there also, we start to breathe. And I just start to breathe deep into my belly. I do this really deep, rhythmic, diaphragmatic breath. I inhale belly, chest, big as I can. I let it go slow. And then as I start to waken up, I start to overbreathe a little bit more. But I keep it in a very beautiful, perfect rhythm. Mm-hmm. I do about four rounds of the Wim Hof or um, uh, an overbreath, which is kind of like it. I mean, the Wim Hof's taken from uh a uh is taken from pranayama but what wim has done is he's kind of put it all in all the different parts of breathing he's put it all in that one so i love doing that right away because right away i know that 120,000 kilometers in my veins in my body and my brain are being squeezed and open so i'm i'm right away first thing i know in my mind and i think about it is that i'm waking up my circulatory system And then after that breath work, I do two other breath exercises. I do a a very old one I learned in um, from the Indian yogis um, that really, really calms things down. And you've probably maybe heard of four, seven, eight. It's a version of four, seven, eight, where you inhale, you hold and you hold and then you exhale slowly from the mouth and you create this nitric oxide, which the yogis knew 5000 years ago, which is amazing. You open up the lung, the alveoli more. You slow down the nervous system, stabilize it, slowing down the heart when you hold the breath. And when you exhale slowly through the mouth, you create a back pressure that's almost like resetting the nervous system. And what you're doing is you're hitting the vagus nerve. So I know I'm going into a deep state of relaxation to start my day. Then after I do an alternate nostril, which connects both sides of the brain, when you look at the pranayama and the science of that exercise is amazing. This 
um, corpus callosum in between, it atrophies. So the connection between right and left, I try to do that to make sure that the brain is now in sync, balanced. Then I get up and I'll sit and I meditate for, you know, about 20 minutes. Then I'll uh, take my cold shower for about 10 minutes. And the water's pretty damn cold here. So I actually like doing the shower. I don't like doing the showers. Why I do the shower? Because I find I have an ice chest in the back, which I plug in once a week and bring it to zero. So it's ice bath back there every day if you want. But I find it's too easy now. I've gotten really good at that. I don't like the water hitting me and moving. So that's my new meditation. After that, I come down and uh, I have maybe coffee with uh, the family and prepare. I then uh, probably do some exercise. Depends. I always do a yoga tech, uh, yoga practice. I've been traditionally trained, so I have almost thirty thousand hours of, of uh, yoga teaching. Wow! So I do that. Um, I make sure that each day uh, I do some sort of functional exercise to keep the joints, everything moving, keep the muscles strong enough. I don't lift heavy. I used to do that. That's how I hurt my back really bad one time. Um, yeah, so it's more or less that. That's my ro- morning routine is so beautiful because it sets you up for the day. Mm. And I always tell people to have a night routine and a morning routine, even if you don't have a day routine. Because if you start and finish your night and your day that way, you are conditioning this nervous system. And Sleeping to me is one of the most important things that you can have in your life. Best, you know, your biohacking, you know, mother nature's greatest gift she gave you was the ability to go into that deep sleep and reset and detoxify and wake up refreshed. So I find those two things going to bed and waking up. My routine is very specific and always has been because I've recognized how important sleep is when I, you know, I woke up this morning and I felt great right into my routine. And I know that, you know, COVID happened and that, and there, you know, my business has had to shut down. I've had to switch it, but I've had no fear about that. That's the beautiful thing is that I've conditioned the nervous system in my brain that no matter what happens, I can deal with it. Then after that, I don't worry about it because I know that, like you said, thinking and thinking and being enveloped in those thoughts that conditions us to have our nervous system in fight or flight all the time, but just enough, mm. not like a tiger chasing you. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, everything's behind you. That means your immune system. Every system is taking a back seat because it says right now we're being physically threatened. Let's survive. But that thought comes another one and another one. Right. So we get stuck in that place. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's conditioning. My practice, I've seen it, and it really, it was very prevalent to me when I was at the ashram because you had to do it every single day. There was days when I got there that I just wanted to run away. My back was killing me, my knees, my anxiety. I was getting angry. I was getting frustrated. I was crying. Like, I was just an emotion. But that's what was going on was that I was teaching myself that my nervous system can be somewhere else. It can be stable. And even though, you know, I do breath work in a yoga class, I'd feel really good. It slowly creep in, but more I practiced, the more it became um, a conditioning 
So it was daily. All of a sudden, more was opening up and all that other stuff started to go away. The back pain went away, the depression, the anxiety. And then it just hit me going, wow. Because my teacher even said I was lazy. And I, I get mad at him. He goes, I said, you know, and I try to talk to him about stuff that really meant nothing. It was just me looking for maybe pity. And uh, he was like going, no, no. He goes, your back was a problem. Your, your depression and all your anxiety is because mm. you're just lazy. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> but he showed me that I was. And, and, and my, my mind that was just willing to settle in that moment for whatever it's doing, being in control was really the problem. And they told me, they taught me self-control, like Wim Hof. Like Wim Hof is, it's the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Like I watch military guys that are suicidal and in, you know, a couple of days they're like, I, I feel, I feel good. I feel amazing. You know, and same thing with the prisons. Like, I mean, I love going into the prisons. I've been teaching there for many years and I love helping the people that are truly vulnerable. Right. Right. And, and you know, when I hear their stories, people sometimes say, you know, how can you do that? I go, well, you know, you knew his story. He was never given a chance. You know, he was raped. He was beaten. He was, you know, his whole life, you know, and then he did something bad. So, I mean, it's all, it, you know, it, it's your conditioning. And it, if you were brought up and you're lucky in a beautiful home with parents and, you know, given this nice kind of path to go along. And if you were given that self-control then it it's worth its weight in gold when you start to get a look because i'm almost 50 now and i'm like wow i'm starting to figure it out you're almost I still 50 know I got, wow that's uh, that's a shock to me now i didn't realize that <laughs> and I, I i'm almost 50 and i'm figuring it out i think and i still go i got a long way to go though but the the path is amazing because you start to really feel those beautiful moments more than those other moments and i always like to look at it now it's like you know i got more summers behind me than i got in front of me so i'm going to start taking the time and you know living like i'm afraid of i'm not afraid of anything and like one thing wim says is i'm afraid of not living because you know what do they say the chances of you being born is like what one Four, one and one, one i think it's something like that. yeah all the crazy numbers and so when I, I, I look at myself, when I used to whine all the time, it's like, really? You won the lottery, dude. And here you are pissing and moaning about it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. It's all perspective, right? Yeah, 100%. And you know, yeah. when you do all these morning routines and evening routines, which I 100% agree, like that's something I, I implemented in my life as well because I saw how important it is. Like going to sleep consistently at the same time and waking up, no matter if it's the weekend, no matter if it's the weekday, just wake up. And you know, because if you do feel great and then having a morning routine, that evening routine, that's that's a must for me as well because like, like you said, everything, oh, 100%. Um, but you know, when you live your day-to-day -day life, like what should you be focused on? Is it always like, I don't know what where I'm going with this question, but like, like, you know, when you're when you're living your life, like, should you always be mindful? Like, how do you how do you think about things? Because I feel like most people are on a, autopilot. They're just like, you know, oh, I'm worrying about this, I'm stressing about this. But like, how how should we live our everyday life? If you know what I mean. You know what? How we should live our everyday lives? We should live them. We should live them. <laughs> we should live them because we're not. And, and you said it perfectly as autopilot. Um, 
autopilot is the default that we've programmed ourselves to be in. Mm. And that's just the, the default mode of, of just a little bit of fear and stay there. And the problem with that is that that's the default mode. That's the conditioning. And what was the question again? Again, what was it? So I guess like, what should you focus on when you live each day? Like what should your, where should your attention be? I think it's being like in the moment. And I mean, this is what we're taught in in any esoterical practice is to be a good human and to be a good human is somebody that's, that's aware Mm. and aware of, of this here. And it goes back to school teaches us about this biology, which is the most innate intelligence, the most, it's more complicated than artificial intelligence. We're not taught about it. And I teach people, I like to say, is how to use biology. Even though you were taught it in school, now I'm going to teach you how to use it. And using your biology is just getting in touch with this technology that you are. And when you do that, you start to live because you're becoming more aware. Um, You know, you hear mindfulness now is a huge word that's being you know, you hear it everywhere in corporations to, you know, all these intuition and all these different things. Now apps you can get mindfulness is just being clear and finding clarity. And once you're clear, you actually are more awake. You come into the moment. And that's how I live my life now is that, you know, my mind is still going to have those thoughts, but I'm more in control of them. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you just wipe it all away. I like to say it this way. You have, you have, you know, you own the company and you have some shareholders. That's like your ego. You want 51%. You don't want them getting the 51% because then the mind just happens. And then we're just, then we, we gallop along with the thoughts and whatever shit comes along and happens, then we're dealing with it. And usually we're dealing with stuff that we didn't see coming. We're not prepared for it properly and it makes it more stressful. So like my, my day today, you know, I did my routine and we had to go out and, and, and buy something. My wife and I, my thoughts, I'm more aware now when something negative comes in and changes the chemistry. So I'm become more and more aware with these practices that I do when I'm not, in a good place because the breath work this morning, my ice exposure, my cold exposure, my meditation, all of that is conditioning my nervous system to be in my control, stable. The more we practice it and it comes with a daily practice, then you see it almost transition into everything in life because they know now from meditation, you practice meditation for a month, 20 minutes, and you throw a breath work in there, simple breath work, and you spend about half an hour in the morning, your anxiety goes down about 50%, your productivity goes up about 30 or 30 some percent. That's because there's less stress. Mm. There's less tension here because this here, we're giving it a break. So we have two sides. We have the fight or flight to keep us um, alive and we have the rest and digest so we can go back and forth and we can find that balance. 
when there's no balance, then we can't see those things. So what, what I'm trying to say is that daily practice builds a foundation when you're creating mindfulness, you're reconnecting to this body. The more you do that, you start to retrain your brain. And when you learn how to stress yourself through the breath, like, like you're actually stressing, but you don't feel it, which is the really good thing. And then you're able to hold your breath and stress your system positively. And you're showing your nervous system when you get into that ice bath and you calm down, you're telling your nervous system that you got this. Okay, mm. All that other shit that I got thrown at you, 50,000 thoughts that has, has us always in fight or flight, I'm going to do probably one of the most, not dangerous, but my body thinks it is. And I'm going to be able to tell my nervous system, got it. I'm going to sit in this ice water. And really the system and the nervous system reacted like death is imminent because if you stay in water cold, hypothermia comes and you can die. Mm. So that's your reptilian brain actually doing what it can. Mm. But the great thing is, is you get in there to hack it. And that's the beautiful thing is the breath work creates like a painkiller. Then you get to get into the ice and you're going to go like this. <gasps> It wants to take you out, but you go. <sighs> as soon as you do that, you felt it yourself. It comes over you and you go, oh, your innate intelligence, your nervous system goes, hey, he's got this. Mm -hmm. Well, then let's let this cross adapt. So all of a sudden that thing that I know that person in class or that guy cuts you off or something pisses you off that normally did. All of a sudden, your nervous system goes, well, that's really not that much. The guy just survived uh, hypothermia and figured out that he can actually control, you know, how he feels in that situation. He should be fine here. So there's this cross adaptation. So that's one thing to go back to what you're saying in a day is being observant, but also observing those moments where I go, oh, shit, that's awesome. So it's positive. See, that's one thing about the, the training in Wim Hof and yogic training and these other things is, you know, you can do the practices, but there's also the training in the mind. A lot that people fall short when I work with them is after they learn the breath, then they're going for that. And then they start breathing fast. And then all of a sudden it turns into a getting high thing. And then it's just for that. Really, it is creating the environment to sit back. and now do some work, deep work on the inside. Now I've slowed the chemistry or I've changed the chemistry to slow the mind down, the heart to be in a different altered state, which is what yoga and Wim Hof and drugs do. But the thing is, is if you get high in your own supply, right? <laughs> I suppose that's, that's probably backwards, but it says get high on your own supply. That's one of our shirts with the lungs. Amazing. And <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it is amazing because you can shift things very, very quickly. And when you do so, you create an altered state. And that altered state, even if it's for a split second, your nervous system and the limbic system in the brain, they, they put that in an emotional filing cabinet. They know. So when Dom goes back and starts that breath, all of a sudden it kicks in and the nervous system goes, hey, hey, here we go again. Do it again. Oh, here it comes again. Then all of a sudden you find yourself in a more peaceful place, a more clear place. Then you start to see things in your life 
And that goes back to the inner peace. If I create inner peace and clarity, all of a sudden the people in my life that weren't serving me, I'm like, oh, I could use, I don't need them there. You know what? Alcohol, that's not serving me either because this feels better. You know, mm. smoking, all this stuff you can see and people will reflect on it. It's because it creates that altered state that allows you to feel again. And that's one of the biggest things now, Dom, is to be able to feel this thing and how this thing works because the default fear mode is to just be and disconnected. So as we reconnect, you create a little bit of awareness and understand what that is. Then you're able to build that. And that reflects throughout your whole day. Cause I find now if something happens, comes in and it's a stressor, anything comes outside to stress. You got to pay a new bill. Somebody's charging you more for this, anything like my, my phone bill, I had to get on them with the other day and they're charging me more during this time. And all, and I'm like, okay, wait a second. I feel something here. I regain control again because I know that I'm about to lose control. And even out of control, we can use breathworks to regain that stabilization. So to me, breathwork is the most profound. Meditation sucks because it's hard. But if you apply breath work and meditation, it's the golden egg because you can sit there. You can't tell a CEO, you know, or a kid that's in the middle of his exams at the end. Of, okay, just sit down and I want you to be quiet. They're like, I got shit to do. You know, the mind's just going to go. But if we can sit down and blow off CO2 and do this and stretch this system and feel it, all of a sudden, all that shit went away. Mm -hmm. so it creates almost the space i like to say dom that that's your space it's in the center the mind stuff's on the peripheral and we use these techniques breathing meditation mindfulness to go to the center to feel again and once we practice this more and more and daily especially breath work and some meditation it creates a bigger space and that space is easier to get to especially later on in the day because you're able to it's conditioning you're reconditioning the nervous system just to be stable and that you're taking back control and and do it daily and you'll see it profoundly change how you are more aware of stress and and definitely how to manage it and then when you say you know do it daily first of all i love what you said you know with combining meditation and the breath work because like meditation for me allows me to exactly what you said it allows me to kind of train my mind for 20 minutes 10 minutes at a time and then like throughout my whole day i'm able to be become more aware of my thoughts and then i'm able to step away from my monkey my monkey mind and you know oh okay I'm, I'm getting stressed out okay calm down pay attention to my breath and so on but yeah. when you say you know breath work or the wim hof method um like how you said practice that daily, but how much people practice per day? Or do you have to practice daily? Like how, I guess what I'm asking is... You know is, what? Yeah. If, if you practice at all, it's mm. good. Okay. Okay. You know, we the one thing about the Wim Hof camp and the yogic traditions and stuff is nobody pushes anybody. Right. You know, when we were standing at the edge of the cliff jumping off in, in Poland, you know, we're never there going, okay, come on, you wussy, jump in there. <laughs> it's more about, you know, encouraging ourselves to um to 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 move forward and that positive encouragement is really really powerful 
Now, I always say that, you know, positive mind, you create that through stable thinking. Now, to create stability, and like you said, routine is so important. Now, say if you did Wim Hof breathing or did your breathing, you know, three or four days a week, that's still a win. You know, if you do it on Sunday and you do your, you know, say Sunday's your reset day, you do breathing, you do a yoga class, you do Wim Hof, you jump in the ice, you feel amazing. It's still a win. But I would rather see somebody do five minutes, one round of Wim Hof breathing every day and build from that. Because we are, we are pretty much compulsive creatures, right? And our habits show that. We're habit forming in our brain. The neural connections that you create there create the things that you can do. Now, if you're in a place where, you know, the, the neural connections are just going off and here and there, it's because you're not in control. That control comes from discipline and self-control. Self-control, it'll work if you do it every second day, for sure. If you do it every day, it works a lot faster. Right. We're very much distracted now, and that's how we're, we're so easily pulled away, Instagram. I even find, like, I don't want to get on that, and I'll go to see your message or whatever, setting this up, and, and it comes right up, right? The feed's there, and I'll see somebody from Poland that I was with. I'm like, oh, yeah. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm up. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, what? Oh, oh, yeah, it's oh. designed to do that in the first place, yeah. It's designed very well because it understands that we're in a place right now, technology, mm. that we don't want to feel stuff. We don't want to deal with stress. We just distract now. As soon as you get that distraction, it's a dopamine rush, right? That text comes in that, you know, I, and I got a dopamine rush. I've seen your invitation to come on this podcast. I'm like, oh, right on, another podcast. This is great, you know? I'm like, woo. But then I probably sat there and scrolled up and down for another 10 minutes but we're daily thinking 50,000 thoughts that are mostly negative what about taking out of 24 hours just five minutes to sit quietly and do some breathing focus on your breath that's just five minutes we adapt to whatever we're doing if I pick up a, a drum in no time, I create those connections. That's in there. The more I practice, I have that the rest of my life. So what about your 20-minute meditation? You do that every day. That creates a connection also hmm. that you go to, like that center, I like to say. And you get there quicker and quicker. And when you sleep good at night and you have tons of energy and you feel happy, healthy, and strong, you go back to that. The problem is, is that we're conditioned to worry and to be distracted. There's just that fine line. You got to get over that hump where you do that first initial Wim Hof practice, which is amazing. It, blow, it blew my mind and it blows. I've seen it blow thousands of people's mind. It's about maintaining the practice. And I've, I've seen so many people that stay with it, you know, and Often when they go away from it, they'll come back and I'll just say, don't beat yourself up. I said, you weren't ready yet. You know, you're working against a very powerful force, your mind that you've conditioned and your nervous system to be a certain way 
um, for me for 50 years on the planet. But I'm now conditioning it more and more to be in a certain way where I'm under more control. So, you know, daily, I can't say it enough, Dom, daily builds it. And guess what? In no time, you see huge rewards. Now, everybody's life's different, of course. So, I mean, every second day, you know, like I said, even if it was once a week, but when you get pulled into this, then you start to see that there's another way. And, and it's a beautiful way. It's, it's the soul, even, you know, Wim Hof talks about it. The soul is just happiness. If you're happy, you're in touch with your soul. If you're happy in a, how would you say, in uh, equanimity, you're in that nice zone. You're not happy because you just won the lottery and you're not depressed because you just lost something. You're just always connected right there. Mm. And there's no stress. See, that's what we want is we want that equanimity, you know, because peace of mind is happiness, I like to say, you know, and that's your health is your wealth always. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, for the people who have no idea what the Wim Hof Method is, like I know I've done it, I've, I've done the using the app and so on, like you're obviously an instructor, but for people who have no idea what the Wim Hof Method is, could you just provide some like context behind what it is and how to actually, what are the steps, you know, what you actually have to do in the Wim Hof Method? So the Wim Hof Method, I, you know, for 10 years, I studied everything. Every breath work, I've done it, um, studied with the, uh, the Hindus and the caves, everything. And I've studied pranayama and breath work extensively. Hmm. I've been a coach for now 15 years on it. And when I met this method, it was like it was it was like a lightning bolt because to me it's a hack, and I like to use that word because right now in this day and age everybody likes to hear the hack biohack. Learn what's your biohack of the day? What's your go-to thing that you're using now? And you hear a lot about biohacking, which is just really learning how to use your physiology, your biology, and the Wim Hof method. You know, it, it has three pillars, which is your mindset, um, breath work, and cold exposure. So a lot of people practice, you know, the two, the breathing or the cold exposure. And often the mindset training is kind of left at the back. And I've found that working with people because we're going for that feeling. And I always like to say, or I said earlier, is that the work after the breathing and the cold exposure is there for you to do. It creates this atmosphere that you can do a lot of really good work so you know basically the method is 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 we do three to four rounds of this breath work it's over breathing now Wim says you can breathe through any hole doesn't matter you take that however you want but you can inhale through the nose let go from the nose but always no force you can inhale through the nose let go from the mouth or you can go right for the mouth. And I like to say that's hitting the gas pedal where you're like. So the one thing to see and to really remember, and the first thing I tell people if they're going to do it is that it's not a hyperventilation. It's an over breath. So hyperventilation is this. And that'll create trauma. You put the breath up here. You go into fight or flight. That action of breathing like that, not even being in, in anxiety, will create it. 
So that's one problem I find people really want to breathe and get to that, that feeling, but there's a journey to get there. And when we control the breathing and we really focus on it, we start to feel something. And that's where it starts because often, you know, people can't go to a cave and, and sit with Tibetan monks for like two years to learn it. Cause believe me, you'll learn it if you're stuck there <laughs> and you got no place to go. But when you breathe in this way, and this is the beautiful thing where I love that I can now bring in the science is that when they show Wim Hof's brain or our brains, when we're breathing this way and we get into three or four rounds of this breath, our brains are lit up every corner like a monk that's been meditating for two to 20 years or whatever. So that hack gets us right there. We come into a state of mind, an altered state that is doing a lot of stuff. And I'll go over just quickly the science right now. So I'm doing this. So I'm inhaling belly, chest, ribs big. I can't do any more. I let it go. See, there's some in there. I'm not exhaling all the way. I got more. So I leave a little in there. So it looks like this. So notice that the exhale isn't forced out. I leave a little in there. The inhale is as big as you want. You focus and you stretch those lungs out and then you let it go. Now, what you're doing and what people often uh, mistaken is that they think we're hyper oxygenating our body. But really what we're doing is we're an efflux or a blow off of CO2. Now you need CO2 in your body. Oxygen comes up when you inhale. Then you just for that split second, CO2 goes up and tells the diaphragm to breathe again. So it's this beautiful ballet, but we get out of kilter, right? So we're just breathing up here mostly. So when you're breathing in the Wim Hof method, you're over breath, you go into a really, really high alkaline state. So you're alkaline with oxygen and you have no CO2 by the end of that 30 or 40th breath. So what you're in called is hypocapnia. So you're in this hypocapnic state and you're alkaline. Now, this is what happens, which is beautiful for you science and nerds out there that want to know a little bit. Is, and I love it because it, it makes it. I love it when it makes sense. I'm over breathing and I take that last breath and I go and then I let it go and I stop. Now I'm stopping with my lungs empty, which a normal person can only hold their breath for about 20 seconds, if that. And I've just done the breathing. I'm in alkaline state. I have no CO2. My lungs are empty. I'm holding. The thing that happens is that your myoglobin, your hemoglobin, your, your red blood cells grab the oxygen and tighten to it, bind to it. So it's stuck in the blood. So the cells in the body aren't getting this oxygen, right? So there's your first stress, but it's a short-term good stress, not long-term. So now the cells start working anaerobically, right? And they start eating up half cells and cancer cells and old cells. But when they're doing that, they're creating a lactic acid buildup. Now that acid builds up, so it starts to bring down alkalinity. And when the alkaline, or the alkalinity comes down, the bore effect means that the CO2 is going up. It releases that oxygen. It's using it up. The CO2 goes really high. And now we're, we're in the most magical state, the most revered breath state of yoga or anything is kumbhaka, which is the breath retention when there is low oxygen 
and high CO2 now. So you've reversed it. Your breath hold at the beginning was alkaline and high oxygen. Now at the end of it, hard, you know, oxygen's down to 50. Sometimes I've seen mine at 40% and your CO2 is up here. Now this is what happens. And the Nobel Peace Prize was just given to three scientists who studied this, not the Wim Hof method, but um, hypoxic when you're high CO2. So you release nitric oxide, you vasodilate, your blood vessels go really open, which is number one, which is amazing. Then they've seen also, and this is a study not conclusive yet, that stem cells come out during that also. But you're also upregulating a gene that produces more red blood cells. This is why the Russians and Olympic um, uh, people, Olympic uh, athletes go into the, to the mountains and do intermittent hypoxic training because they're actually teaching their body to be more efficient because they're stressing it with less oxygen. So you actually start to evolve inside building more red blood cells, then you come back stronger. The Tibetan army, everybody can learn from them because nobody's as strong as them. They train at high altitude. All the other armies and whatever have trained under them. Never seen anybody as strong as them. So you've got these two things and we like to say it stretches like an elastic band each cell. So trillions of cells during the overbreath, then holding, have been stretched. So you actually are working out the entire circulatory system. You actually then go into the base of the brain now, and they're starting to see that we're releasing opioids. That was in the Wayne State study with WIM, and endocannabinoids. So painkillers come out because you're stressing yourself in a short term, but you're able to go, I'm fine. And you're sitting back watching all of this. And then after that first breath hold, it can sometimes be two minutes. It's amazing. You then take that big breath in and you hold for about 15 seconds and everything goes back to a baseline. So it's the short-term stress of the breath and the breath hold that's short-term. Like when you go and you lift something at the gym, it's a hormetic stress, hormesis. Stressing just enough so it comes back stronger. So now we've done the breath work. Now I won't get into too much of that because we could talk about the science of that forever. Yeah. <laughs> you feel so good. And now you can sit in meditation and you can clearly step out of the thought stream and just observe all the shit that's going on inside because the monkey mind slowed right down. And if you do three or four of those rounds and after you lay there, you can feel your heart rate slows right down all systems come back to a homeostatic balance and there you are calm but you've also released a lot of really good hormones you feel good now you've meditated now you're ready to go into the water then what you do is you go and it can be you know ice baths you see us in the Wim Hof or just taking a cold shower you know and you build yourself up you know it's something that again you adapt to the cold you know, we don't want to force people into over-breathing for like, you know, an hour, breathing like crazy and then having a like a almost like a seizure, you know, because you can do that. Breath work can be the most powerful thing, but if you do too much of it, it can also be harmful. It's like water. You can drink too much of that. So now we get into the ice. So when you go into cold, your body physically reacts. 
that you are in a dangerous situation. But the only thing, and I must say this is very important, the only thing that adds danger to the cold is time. It's not about 10-minute breath or 10-minute breath holds. It's not about 10-minute ice baths. Because if you're going to try to be the ice man, Mother Nature is going to slap you around really hard. You need to respect the cold. Like mm. Wim always says, it's righteous and merciless, but it can be your greatest teacher. So I get into this ice bath, and first thing that happens is that you have cold shock receptors send the signals, and within a split second, your kidneys, your heart, everything just jumps up. You have adrenaline, even adrenaline you've had already from the, the breath work, so your adrenaline's up, but you feel good, not stressed adrenaline like you're normally used to, you know, when something bad's happening, physical threat or whatever. So when you get into the ice bath, it really just goes like this a little bit more. So it's not just a shock. So you never jump into the ice. A neat study is the, the Titanic. Most people died not of hypothermia. They died of shock when they hit the water <gasps> and choked on the water and died. Not everybody was uh, like the Titanic with uh, Leonardo, you know, just kind of hanging on there, talking to his loved one. That's probably not what happened. But when you get in, if you slowly get in with the breath, which is another trick, is if what I like to teach people is I tell them to take a couple breaths when they're about to get in. And then when they exhale, I get them to exhale slow and get into the shower or sit into the bath. And when you exhale, that's your rest and digest. But as soon as you get in, when you're exhaling, it's going to do this to you. <gasps> but that wants to breathe you out. That's your fight or flight system. But your rest and digest system is... <sighs> then through the nose fully in and then fully out slowly you never do the breath work in the water or the breath holds in the water because you get lightheaded you can pass out which there's no side effect to doing that when you're safe laying down but you never do it in the water so now when you're in the water what happens is is that all the blood vessels in your body the arms and the legs, they squeeze all the blood here because we want to save the organs. We want to put all the blood to the brain. This is the most important right now. But as you're breathing and you say to the nervous system, I got it, and you take the breath under control, all of a sudden, everything starts to slow down. That breath work slows down. More parasympathetic comes in. Now you have all of that adrenaline and all of this energy, but your mind's so clear because guess what? The bills, the relationships that aren't going good, school, all the shit that's going through your head has gone away. There's no place for it. You have almost like what I like to call is a forced mindfulness. So if you can't be mindful, that's why this is so helpful because you are in meditation. You're in mindfulness like that. The breath work does it, but the cold is so much pow more powerful to get you there so much faster. Now, when you apply the breathing, then the cold, it's like you multiply everything by a thousand, I like to say, because in that you're releasing even more because your body's going, okay, danger, he's going to die but he's not because it's safe. You can turn in the shower it back to hot. You can step out of the shower. You can get out of the ice bath at any point. 
So what happens is, is that your, your brain is releasing in this periaqueductal, and they showed this in the Wayne State study with Wim, is he's, he was releasing endocannabinoids and more opioids. So he was high with this unbelievable cold stressor around him, and he's able to keep his temperature fine. Mm. He's able to stay completely relaxed and focus. So it's almost like it forces you into that fight or flight so deep that the minuscule and the stuff that really is not, it shouldn't be there, it's gone away. So you've given yourself that opportunity just like that to be in the moment. And then of course you get out and you're like only after one minute, two minutes, you know, you work your way up to maybe three minutes to five minutes in the ice bath but do it slowly because if we go too much and we get the after drop, see the danger that's added is if I stay too long and I'm not focused. And when I get out this peripheral blood that's in here is cooler. It mixes with the warmer blood and that can cause problems, especially if your temperature is coming down. Now, if your temperature gets to 92, okay. And you're usually at 98 point, whatever, 92, you need another source now, or you're going to have hypothermia and you're going to have some major problems. So time is the only thing that adds danger to it. You can fall in warm water. If it's below, it's 90 degrees. Guess what? In a few hours, you're going to be hypothermic. So now we've only been in one minute. We get out, the body just starts. There's a cascade of things that start happening. You start to reset this. Your body works so hard to get back to homeostasis, the blood being the right temperature. But in doing so, it's like running a marathon on the inside. You again, squeezed your vessels like this, and then you open them wide up. So 120,000 kilometers, your circulatory disease is the heart disease is one of the biggest killers. You're already exercising that system. So you come out of it though, and this is the thing is you're high. You feel something that you've never felt before. I love seeing the, the people that do it the first time at, at one of the workshops. And I love it when, when uh, a husband will bring a wife and won't even tell her really what's going on. <laughs> and they show up and I'm like, oh. But to finish it is that, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into too much of the science of it. There's so much you can talk about. But to finish it, it gives you the opportunity to work on this more. Because often I work with a lot of athletes and Olympic guys and IBF pros and all these guys that are they're uh, adrenaline uh, like this. I want to climb a mountain in my shorts and that. And I and I explain to them, yeah, we get the energy, but then we learn how to stabilize everything here because it gives you the opportunity. You know, some people don't like to say it, but reset. And I, it's like a reset. And when I don't, I didn't experiment on myself uh, at the beginning of COVID. I spent about two hours on my phone looking at all the headlines, Trump and blah, 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 and all the stuff in the world numbers. And I felt so different than I did from my normal day. And I even told my wife, I said, wow, I said, so many people out there are so consumed by this right now, you know, and it's been wonderful because I get to do what I do online because of Zoom and all of these things. And to be able to um, reach people out there. But, you know, it's such a simple practice, the Wim Hof method. But 
I've done it all and I've never seen anything so powerful. There's nothing out there as powerful as this. I watch people suicidal, military, you know, on a lot of drugs. I can give you so many examples of, you know, people that are, you know, slowly get off their meds. They're feeling good. They're, you know, with me at all my workshops. The military guys are always coming and helping out Big Chris and those guys. It's amazing. And to watch them, you know, use the method every day and to be able to use something so simple but so powerful on a daily basis changes your life. Like you can heal everything. When I was in Poland, I had 25 guys out of the hundred. Um, I had to look after me and another instructor, Kim and Jaime actually was one of uh, another one. And, you know, there was so much vicarious trauma. There was guys from Interpol there that had been kidnapped and, uh, you know, uh, special forces guys from Australia and the things that they, you know, seen and the, the suffering that they, you know, were, were feeling. And it, within a week watching them just, you know, letting go and crying in tears. And, wow. you know, it's funny, man, a lot of Navy SEALs, a lot of, a lot of army guys, Marines, yoga teachers, when we were training, we had this really eclectic, really cool group, but I never seen so many of us crying. You know, Wim even said, and Casper, who was uh, head of uh, the academy at the time, you know, he said, okay, all of you wrote out some really, really good, uh, you know, introduction that you have to say in front of Wim and everybody or whatever. Um, you know, you, you, you got it memorized. Everybody throw it out. I, I want everybody to talk about why they got here. And I mean, it just watching Marines and all of us talking and then just, wow. and guess what? The whole group gets up hugs around we all do a group hug and then more people start crying but beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful because we're taught as men don't cry oh well sorry oh i don't know what that is but i teach people that that's the problem the weakest you know being weak is not facing vulnerable situations or vulnerability and and releasing what's giving you pain thinking you still have to hold on to that and whims one of the He's amazing when you're with him. Like he, he was doing a breath work. What do we call it? The, uh, it was called a trauma release party. Cause they're all, everybody's asking about trauma. Cause there's so many people with PTSD in the group mm. of a hundred. And, and oh my God, we did a, we did a session with him, but it's his words. It's the way he, he believes in it. You know, he's, he's, it's, you're around somebody that's famous, but you don't feel like that with him because he just wants to hear your story. You know, I sat with him in the kitchen telling him about, you know, the kids and everything. He made videos, you know, um, he made personal videos to send to the kids. You know, I never see him not once wow. sign a book or, or take a photo. You know, he's just so aware and present. He's so himself. And what he teaches, you know, first thing he taught the 100 people was, is I'm not your guru. I'm not here to save you. You guys are the ones that save yourself. And I just know these couple things. And if you do them right, you know, and you have a good support system, you have a good, the tribe, which we love to call ourselves the tribe. You know, we get with the tribe. We, my buddy and I call ourselves, we call ourselves the tribe of weirdos because it's just, it's so much fun being weird, man, because you get to be yourself again. Absolutely. But that's one thing. They'll finish it. That method brings you back to authentic thinking, authentic feeling. So those beautiful ideas 
they come out. They all of a sudden, you're a kid again. I feel almost like tell like like this morning after my my bath and or yesterday, and I, I sometimes say to people or myself, it's like, oh my god, it feels like I I'm cheating. I'm cheating life because I was so used to being in such anxiety that I feel so good now. This is and that's so foreign to a lot of people, right? And yeah, the method I've never seen it help like that a four hour workshop and watch people completely change their lives, you know, and that one workshop I usually do, it turns into like three or four more because people are so like blown away. And then I'll get a call to come and do a workshop retreat with a company or, and you know, it's, 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 it's very, very clear in what it shows you about yourself. And I always say you're either ready or you're not. And if you are, fuck man, it's unbelievable. Amazing. And okay, somebody has listened to this podcast and you're like, wow, I need to try this Wim Hof method. Whatever that is, I'm gonna no. give it a go. How do you begin? What where should they go? What's the best way to learn this? How should they start? Well, we have a, a free app for one thing. It's uh, the Wim Hof method app. It's a free app. It has all the stuff in there um, for tracking. Also, like doing cold showers, you build up from 30 seconds on up. Um, it has the breath work that you can do with Wim. Another great place, and Wim's come out with some more stuff, and they just sent out, actually, if you can get the email from it, you signed up for a course, but he was sending out emails. He's sending out um, information and science, but he's also put on a couple more um, breathing, guided breath works with him. And uh, Niraj Naik from Soma Breath, who's another breathing dude, man, who's off the charts. He's amazing. Um, he's the one that actually did the soundtracks for, uh, for Wim stuff. So there's, you can go on YouTube, go on YouTube and go down that rabbit hole. Cause it's like, I went down it and it, well, here it is three, four years later. And, uh, I'm, uh, I'm talking about it a lot. <laughs> but, uh, YouTube is awesome. W I M H O F real easy. Um, WimHoffMethod.com has courses. You can do um, the 10-week courses. They also have information on the academy about being an instructor, becoming one. Um, there's just a lot of his new book is coming out also. I believe it should be, we should be getting a copy here shortly. Um, and, you know, it's, there's, he's got expeditions. I mean, we'll have to see how everything opens up here. Because people are actually sending me lots of messages asking me when's the first one. I'm like, well, I got to figure out when the hell I can open up and how's it going to be, right? So, but yeah, he's out there everywhere. You can uh, find him, YouTube, the, the app, his site. Um, yeah, check it out because there's, there's a lot of info. And uh, yeah, and if anybody that's watching this has any questions or anything for me, they can, I'll give you guys my, or you can uh, drop my, uh, my email and my uh, Instagram handle. And I, I actually do um, Facebook free online breathing every day, Monday to Saturday. So we do a, a full session and I introduce other breath works and stuff like that. But uh, I always welcome any questions because this is kind of what I do. So, but there's, there's a lot of info out there, man. Yeah. I mean, I could talk to you about these things for, for hours, but um, I feel like we should. Um, if there's any like, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Before I finish up, I'd love to ask you some rapid fire questions. Sure. 
So if there was a billboard and you could place any messages on billboard whatsoever, uh, Mm -hmm. what message would that be? Slow down and breathe. Slow down and breathe. Okay. And what's the best investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be time. It might be energy. It might be money, whatever. But just what's the best investment you ever made that made the most positive influence on your life? The best investment I ever made was investing in myself and, and, and investing on, on learning about this guy and how he works. And that was my yoga to Wim Hof to, um, yeah, those, that's the, the best investment is when I finally started to invest time in myself and, uh, figuring out how to be happier. And, um, what have been your most gifted or recommended books? So books that you've recommended the most to other people that has have, yeah, I guess that. What are the most recommended books to other You know, a, one really good book and uh, is by Casper Vandermeulen, which is um, Mind Lift. That's a really good book. Uh, Mental Conditioning, I believe, for the Modern Mind. And um, he puts it in amazing, he puts it in a way that's so accessible to everybody. But that's probably one of, I mean, there's been lots of books I mean, I've read every kind of esoterical thing and, you know, I feel knowledge, you know, and Wim will even tell you this is knowledge is good, but it's, it's for here. It's not for here. Mm -hmm. Um, Feeling is the thing. So I think that, you know, if anybody out there wanted to learn how to start regaining this thing in a very beautiful, simple way would be mind lift. And he's got mindlift.com actually, just as it's spelled. It's uh, he's a Dutchman. He's a cool dude, man. He's, he switched on in the biohacking world and all that, but that's a practical book on how to make this thing or turn it back under your control. And in the last five years, what belief, habit, or behavior has had the most positive influence on your life? Belief. Oh, this is a big one. <laughs> um, You know, it, I like to simplify things now, and that's the belief is the truth. When I started to be truth with, truthful with myself, man, that's what all the yogis and that's what all the, uh, you know, the masters I've studied under and that were, you know, when I was first at the ashram making excuses of why I'm allowed to feel this way, really, it just came down to the truth. And once I started to be truthful with myself and, and, you know, what I want in life, what I really want, um, what's sustainable. I think that, you know, the belief, believing in myself, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't doing that. I was, I was believing in a lot of other things, a lot of other um, things I used on the outside to create a reality that now I have the tools and, you know, my belief system now is just to be happy, healthy, and strong. And I use things to do that. And, you know, I think that it's, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, one belief, but I think it's just really being, I was truthful with myself, man, that not everybody else was the problem. It was actually me. (laughs) Interesting perspective. Yeah. And the final question for you is what is your definition of chasing passion? What's the definition of chasing passion? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I think that 
we have to take the time to look inside to figure out what the passion is. Um, I think it's, you know, with Wim Hof and these methods that I love using, when we get to be the kid again, then our passions come back. Because how many times as we, you know, when you're a kid, you ask somebody what they wanted to be, they said a fire truck. I don't know, whatever. But they believed they were going to be a fire truck. You know, and, you know, passion is something that it's, it's really snuffed out as we get older. Because like myself, you know, I come from a, a place of suffering, you know, and, you know, anxiety, depression, back injury. And yoga, you know, it helped me survive. Wim Hof healed my mind and my body. And when I'm able to trans like almost like now, like I'm teaching this stuff. This is my passion because it's helped me heal at extremely deep level. So to find that passion is to look inside, to really look inside. And, and, you know, when you do the breathing and you do the ice bath and all that shit goes away, guess what happens to your creativity comes out. I have ideas and stuff that come out and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what I'm going to do now. And it's so profound and it changes my life for the better because I'm able to, you know, have a passion. And now with my purpose is to give that passion to everybody else. So for me, passion is waking up in the morning. I'll answer it now for you. Waking up in the morning and not hitting your alarm, waking up in your morning and going fucking a let's do this because i won the lottery again that's finding passion if we're hitting that snooze and we're dragging our asses around it shows us that there's no passion and a lot of people mostly people mostly everybody out there is living in a world that's changing them and the world changes us through technology through fearing what others think when you're able to let that go and you're able to find a peace of mind and a happiness and you wake up and you have that. And throughout the day, you have energy, you sleep good at night. You've found your passion. Your passion's there. Even if you don't know what it is, it's going to come out because you're creating the atmosphere and the condition for that to be like the Wim Hof does. As I say, it creates a safety net. So I'm a kid again. So I'm in that childlike space, even still with the grown-up world that I'm in, running around, and I'm in this childlike space to be able to feel again. And it's in those times when I was up there this morning and during my breath retentions on my third or fourth round, beautiful stuff's coming out because I'm in touch with the passion, I think. And that passion's given me, you know, a purpose to move forward in life. Like you said, if we don't get up and go, wow, I won the lottery again, you know, out of those what 1,000 or 700 trillion, you were the one picked. You get to go. The other ones, no, you don't get it. So I, I always love to look at it simplified and global now. It's like, well, wait a second. If you look at it that way, your passion should be just life, living life, man, and being happy. <laughs> I absolutely love that answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> Right and on. just before we finish up, uh, where can people find you if they have a question, if they want to um, see what you're up to? Where's a good place to go? 
Okay, so um, you can I, I hang out a lot right now on Facebook. So I'm not sure on the spelling on this, but it's uh, for you guys. I know how to spell it, but Subramania, S-U-B-R-A-M-A-N-Y-A, Yoga Center on Facebook. I do my daily classes right now until the center is going to be opening up. Um, also at Instagram, I'm getting on there a little bit more. Um, they're telling me I need to get out into the technological world and spread this, spread this around. So I'm going to, I'm getting more into the whole marketing of that stuff too, but, uh, it's Dan, D-A-N underscore D-E-L-U-I-S. And that's my Instagram handle. And if anybody ever has any questions, uh, it's just as my email sounds, it's D-A-N, Dan dot. Last name D E L U I S at hotmail.com. Awesome. And I'll link all these in show notes so it'll be easy to find. Right on, man. Dan, just before we finish up, is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to mention? Anything at all? Anything at all? Well, um,. Yeah, you know what? We talked about it yesterday, my wife and I, in a little bit, and how we're starting to reopen now. Um, you know, retail businesses in the world starting to um, kind of return back to whatever the new normal is going to be. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, as we come back, we're able to be conscious and aware of our old ways that kind of got us here. Um, you know, over-consuming and, and moving very fast. The world's moving so fast that we didn't see this coming. So I think, you know, this whole break, you know, for me, you know, I love running around the world and flying everywhere and doing stuff. I mean, I love to go, go, go. But it showed me that uh, there's so much, there's so much information and so much that we can learn about ourselves if we take some time to slow down. and the economies and the world stopping and every war stopped all wars stopped a lot of amazing things happened things were clearing up and i even noticed in the back here more animals are coming right up it's like people were you know staying in i hope that we can see that this is this is an amazing opportunity to see how we can work on ourselves and we have some work to do um, and, and living happy, healthy, and strong because this, this thing gripped the whole world. This has been the, this is going to be one of the biggest behavioral experiments of all time to see what's going on after this. Right. And we still have, you know, no ideas, but embracing the unknown by working now in this moment, you know, I think that we have an opportunity and that this situation has told us a lot about ourselves. And I think that, um, we, we, I'm hoping that uh, the world is uh, seeing this also. And uh, when we come back, we come back a little bit different. You know, I think they're a little bit more conscious and aware of uh, how, uh, how we're living and how we should be living. You know, happy, healthy, and strong, man, all the way. Well, I think that's a good way to finish up the podcast. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Hey, man, thank you so much, Bon Dom. And anytime you want to have me back, you know, I can talk. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie That is chasingpassion.ie If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, 
I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast. And this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcasts in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast, and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much and have a great day.